Renovations. Hands up if you've done renos in the last, whatever. Well, Hands up if you've ever done renovations on your house or somebody else's house. Yeah? How fun was it? Yeah? Mixed? Often with a renovation, from what I understand, I've never really done renovations, I've witnessed them and seen others, there's a bit of destruction that needs to take place. Some breaking down of walls, some removing of tiles, some ripping of jip rock. Hopefully things don't fall down too much. There's destruction before you can start to renovate and see restoration happen. It's the same with when you restore a piece of furniture. I've done that. You sand it back. Sometimes you need to pull it apart, make sure that you get into every single spot you need to, to bring it back to life. Renovation. Restoration. This weekend, I'm hoping that we as a church, and those of you who join us, and I hope you do continue to join us, think about... well. Restoration and renewal, as you see in these signs behind me. Because there tends to need to be destruction before restoration and then renewal, doesn't there? Sometimes that's needed, other times we just want it because we want a new bathroom. Sometimes a wall is just in the way and you've got to get rid of that thing to open up the space to be able to be living well, enjoying it. And I'm hoping this weekend we think about that. Because beyond our, our divide that we have internally sometimes, and the desires that we have internally, beyond the, the physical issues and divides and desires that we might have, beyond the emotional ones, even deeper than that, is what we want to talk about this weekend, which is the spiritual reality that there is a great divide if we do not have Jesus in our life between us and our almighty God. This temple these kids built pretty good, right? Didn't think you'd come to a church and build a temple today, did you? <laughs> it's not a real temple, just so you're aware. It's just some boxes. But this temple kind of helps because it sets the scene for the reading that Peter just brought to us before, doesn't it? Because all of that happens at the temple, when Jesus rocks up to the temple and causes a little bit of a ruckus 2,000 years ago. Do you remember what he did? He shows up and he sees them selling things and exchanging things and he comes through with a whip that he's made and he overturns tables and he runs them all out saying, get out, stop turning my father's house into a house of trade, into a market. Why? Why did Jesus get so angry about some people selling some sheep and doves and just making sure that people had the right tax money? Why? Remember what Jess just told us? This temple was a special place, wasn't it? It was a holy place. It was a place where people came to meet with God. And there used to be different spaces to the temple. Let me just add a little layer to it. And this is perfect that it's like a wall, because there was a wall, a big wall that went around it. And then when you came inside that wall, there was the sort of the outer courts. And then inside there was a, another space, which started to become the holy space. And, and then you'd be struck by this massive curtain, where you were never allowed to go in. But for one time a year, one priest was able to go in there on the Day of Atonement to sacrifice and sprinkle that thing to make sure that God's house was fit for him to dwell in. It was where God dwelt. That's why he causes a big ruckus, because he's like, my dad, the Father Almighty, this is his house. You're disrupting this space that's meant to be very, very different. It's the place where God dwelt. Remember what he yelled? Verse 16, let me read it to you. He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. My father's house. There was a need for renovation because of what had been going on there. His home, what they were doing in his place, this place where God dwelt was disrespecting it and disregarding a particular group of people. You ever walk, 
We're a shoes-on family in our house. Anybody a shoes-off family? As in, you get to the front door... Okay, I see a few hands. It's not the same hand as the one that put their hand up for being perfect, is it? No? Uh, Close to, no. Shoes-off. Imagine going to that person's house. And I had some friends when I was growing up in school and just going, I'm just going to walk in. And it's been that week of rain and your feet are muddy and filthy and you go stomping through their newly renovated place with these beautiful white plush carpets and you're running around doing... And you know as you arrive, I should have taken my shoes off at the door. Maybe at least wipe them. But I don't care. I want to treat this like it's my house. You see, that's kind of what the people were doing with the temple. They were treading mud through, just maybe on the outer sides, at the walls. For convenience and for commerce, they were approaching God in the way that they were choosing to, that at the expense of God's house becoming filthy. Or they were also disregarding a particular group of people, the Gentiles, who were meant to have a space to worship. They were shutting the door on them. So they're coming in, stomping mud through and making sure that others are not allowed to meet and have the presence with God because of what they wanted to do. And Jesus is outraged, isn't he? He's outraged, but what he does is actually even more outrageous because we really don't comprehend it fully in our world. But he walks into the very center of the life of a Jew, the public center of their life. It's where the tone was set for all religious things and even the political life sort of centered in and around the temple. And he walks in there and shouts this thing. It's like someone walking into, just think about anyone going into just about any space and doing this. But for me, sitting at my, I won't call it my temple, but my little spot at Steam Brothers up there, sipping a coffee, and some fool running in and just starting to turn the table over as my batch brew goes everywhere, and this person's coffee goes everywhere there, and just coming in, get out, this is not how this should be, you are serving it the wrong way. You do. What do you think I'm going to do in that moment? Mate, who are you? What are you doing in... And that's exactly what the Israelite leaders did, isn't it? Verse 18, what do they say? They're like, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? What they're saying there is, what gives you the right to come in here and tell us that this is how this place is meant to run? Are you you the king who can come in and judge in God's house? Well, Jesus has actually claimed that, hasn't he? What did he call himself? The son of God. This is my father's house, guys. I'm the son, I'm coming here to clean up this place. I'm the Messiah that your people have been waiting for, the king who is saying, things ain't right, I'm coming to fix it. I'm coming to judge and correct it. But they want proof, because this is even more outrageous what Jesus is about to claim. We think this is crazy that he comes in and tosses these things around. Listen to what he says next. But before that, I think we all kind of want proof a bit like these, these fellas that were confronting Jesus. We all want proof that a weekend like this should belong, in a way, belong to the Christians. Now, most people don't mind too much. You get a long weekend, an extra long weekend, Friday and Monday, lap that up as an Australian, right? Who cares if it's for the Queen or for Jesus? We'll take it. But under that, why? Why is Friday a public holiday? Why is Sunday so celebrated and Monday another chance for us to chill? Because something happened 2,000 years ago that has transformed the entire world and we have proof. But I'll talk about that Sunday. Because I want to talk about the outrageous thing that Jesus claims in verse 19. What's he say? Destroy this temple. He's standing there in this incredible place. And I'll raise it again in three days. That's a little bit like me saying, 
I'm going to destroy this. Yeah, I'm going to destroy this temple. Sorry, kids. Destroy this temple. None of the kids are coming back now, are they? Sorry, guys. Destroy this temple. Destroy it, and I'll build it again in three seconds. What would you say to me, kids? No, it took us three minutes to build that, didn't it? Wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is what they would have been saying. Listen to what they say. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? You see, Herod had actually commissioned the building of this temple in 20 BC, before Jesus had arrived, and he trained thousands of priests, just like our little kids that came up here before. As stonecutters and architects, 18,000 men in total worked on it full time. And check out how big these rocks are and how big this thing is. That's at the walls of the temple. Massive, right? And this is the entire temple structure. That was just one part of the outer wall. Three days, Jesus? Yeah, you're trying to start the original maybe renovation rescue here, and they promised only two days, but three days to do that? You, they're saying, you are going to do this? Jesus' outrageous renovation rescue plan, it's just ludicrous. But there's an even more outrageous claim than that. Genuinely, the claim that Jesus makes and the claim that we as Christians make at Easter weekend is even more outrageous. He says, destroy this temple. Destruction. And remember we said destruction is needed for renovation? Well, there was a need to destroy, to remove the divide. Destroy, the word means to like loose or to to untie. It can sometimes mean to cut the bonds or to break the chains. You hear in some language we use a bit here in the church? But also it can mean the dissolution of life or killing. And Jesus came to do this sort of destruction to the, te- no, to the temple. Read what he says in verse 21. John helps us understand that the temple he had spoken of was his body. That's an even more outrageous claim. That doesn't make it easier than him rebuilding that massive temple thing. Because in that moment, those people there may not have realised exactly what he was claiming. They're still thinking historically, let's build this thing. Jesus has gone beyond. He's saying, I'm going to destroy my body to restore all things. Destruction to break down the spiritual divide that is between every single human and God. He's going to rip that apart. Destruction to bring restoration between God and his people so that there is no need anymore for this temple thing. Renovation. Now, when I understand renovation, I understand that you sort of you break down a wall or two, but you kind of keep most of it and then you can re-establish and renovate from that one. So how does destruction like this bring restoration? This destruction bring what this weekend we say is Christian promises, which is life. Well, this is why Good Friday is so good. At the beginning of our passage, verse 13, it said that it was the time of the Jewish Passover. The Jewish Passover was where they would sacrifice a lamb, remembering how it was that God had liberated them up out of the slavery in Egypt that they had. And during that time, they had to, at one point, sacrifice this lamb and put the blood over the door frames so that the, the Spirit of God would pass over them and ensure that they wouldn't be dead inside that house. That they passed over, that there was a life for a life. And so we have that in the back of our minds as we come to destruction. But then there's the temple that was used to remind them constantly of this reality that, as Jess said, because of your sin, 
We can't be with him in the holy of holy of holies. Remember the temple? It created a divide. And this is why Good Friday is so good and why destruction was necessary. Because Jesus' body was destroyed. The sacrificial lamb, his blood was shed so that life could be given. And let me show what happens. Many of us already know what happens when that happened. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, it'll be on the screen, to Luke 24, 23. It's just a couple of pages back. Remember the divide I talked about? You had the walls, which I've destroyed now, sorry kids, the outer court of the priests, the holy place, maybe just behind these, and then, I can't go in there, the holy of holies. Jesus was on the cross. It's what we remember on Good Friday, that he sacrificed himself upon a cross, and he was being mocked, and they were jeering at him. And you know what they said? Like, come down from there. Come on. You've saved others. Why don't you save yourself? You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. You remember you said that one time, mate. Temple's still not built. We know what he's talking about, though. And then they say, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God, if the temple really is your Father's house. And he could have, you know. Jesus could have. At that very moment he chose to, get down from the cross, walk away, but he chose to stay as planned. He chose to be destroyed in order to destroy the divide. And he did that knowing, remember that at the end of our passage today? That was confronting, right? Knowing what was within each individual. He still knows that, what's within you that creates that divide. The sin that means you wouldn't be able to go into the holy of holies just like the Israelites couldn't. But listen to what happens on that day in Luke 23. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Do you hear that? The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. He was destroyed upon that cross. And you know, in John's gospel, the one we've been looking at, as he says, it is finished, he breathes his last and dies. And it's in that moment that, well, this happens. Ready? The curtain tears, the Holy of Holies is opened and we can now enter into a perfect relationship with our Lord and our Saviour through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? There is no more divide, there is no more wall, there is no more outer court, there is no holy... The Holy of Holies has been opened to every single one of us because Jesus destroyed it. See, that curtain tearing, just like that, was a sign of two things. That the temple system was not needed. It was broken and insufficient and that there is a new home for every single person if they want to enter in, even if you've got muddy feet. You see, the temple system was broken, and we still, for some strange reason, like to go back to it. We build our own temples, don't we? False temples that are never going to get us to God, either through religious practices or just trying to be good enough in the things that we do. Or we build the temple of self, where no longer is it my father's house. Mate, this is my house. I'm the God. I'm the one who would probably put my hand up and say, pretty perfect, don't need nothing else. But what we all need is the real temple, the place that we get to meet with God, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And by his destruction on that good, good Friday, he has made a way that you can then go in with the door wide open to this new house. Unparalleled access to God. That is an outrageous claim, isn't it? But the proof is in what Jesus Christ did on this day. The spiritual wall, it had to go. The mould had to be removed. You know what it's like when mould gets into a house? All this flooding that's going on, people's houses are ruins. The mould's in there. And you can, like, you can paint over mould, you can try and kill it off, but if there's even a hint of it, what happens? It spreads. It comes back. And so thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, that you have washed me white, that I can now be cleansed and enter into that most holy of holy places, which is you, because you are now the temple. Thank you, Jesus, that this is my home now. There is no more need for me to have a spiritual disconnect with the God of all creation. Praise God that the chains have been broken, destroyed, that the divide has been torn down. Your sin, my Christian brother and sister, and those of you who don't believe, your sin too does not need to divide you anymore. And so please, today, of all days, why don't you walk through that open door? And if you are a Christian, just draw near again and praise God. The restoration is complete, isn't it? It is finished, torn. And very soon, the seal of approval is going to be put upon that. The property report from the fair trading, whatever they're called, will come and stamp that thing on Sunday. But I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Because this weekend, we must remember, for restoration, there needed to be destruction, and it happened through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so why don't you respond to that today? And one of the best ways for us to respond is in singing. So the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing this beautiful song, Amazing Grace, that reminds us that our chains are gone. And if you're someone who has been wrestling with, hey, I do actually have this sort of spiritual hunger, or these nagging questions about life and purpose... I don't know why it sometimes feels like there's this barrier or I constantly feel the shame and feel like I need to go to a temple or need to figure out how it is that I'm going to be good enough in this life. We want to talk with you. We want to walk with you. We want to love you. Whether you're someone who's been coming to this church for 40 years or literally 40, 55 minutes, whoever you are, let us know because we believe on a day like today the most outrageous claim that has ever been made is true and will transform your life like it's transformed many of ours.